Hello and welcome to episode 52 of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. In the mid-1940s, Dr. Ignacio Pancetti, an orthopedic surgeon at the University of Iowa, began reviewing results of surgical treatments of clubfoot that were commonly used at the time. His findings were not encouraging. He discovered that in adulthood, former surgical patients often experienced foot stiffness, pain, arthritis, and limited mobility, and in many cases required additional surgery. By studying the anatomy and the functions of a baby's foot, Dr. Ponsetti developed a non-surgical method to correct club foot in infants through gentle manipulation of the feet, followed by the application of plaster casts. In 1948, Dr. Ponsetti began using what has now become known as the Ponsetti method of treating club foot. Our guest for this episode has a great deal of experience with the Ponsetti method of clubfoot treatment. Dr. Jose Maquande is a professor of orthopedic surgeries and the head of the Ponsetti Clubfoot Clinic at the University of Iowa Children's Hospital. Dr. Maquande trained directly with Dr. Ponsetti and has helped to promote the Ponsetti method around the world through the Ponsetti International Association, of which he is the president and CEO. I started off the interview by asking Dr. Maquande to talk about his background as an orthopedics doctor and how he began to study with Dr. Ponsetti in Iowa. Uh, I'm originally from Spain, and I study medicine at the University Autónoma de Madrid. And also I did my orthopedic training in Spain, uh, in Granada and Madrid. And then I work as a, a faculty member at the Children's Hospital in Madrid. I was doing my PhD uh, at the time. And interestingly, Dr. Ponsetti, when he retired, he wrote a paper asked by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgery about his 50 years experience on in orthopedics here at the University of Iowa. It just happened that uh, on my search of literature, I found the paper just by chance, actually, and I got really excited about, about you know, his life and what he did and, 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 and the kind of work that he, was, uh, he did uh, during his life, which is mostly... Uh, he was a clinician scientist, and so I decided to write a personal letter to him and, and ask him for the possibility of uh, working uh, here at the University of Iowa. And, and well, I was uh, lucky enough that he answered, and, and then after about a year, uh, uh, he offered me a position here as a visiting uh, associate at the Department of Orthopedics. Uh, once here, uh, I was here for three years, and then um, I tried to come back to Spain, but the, uh, I didn't have any opening opportunities there. And so um, because of that, I decided to stay here in, the, in this country, and, and the department offered me the uh, possibility to stay. And that's how I uh, came to, to meet and, and stay with Dr. Ponsetti for all these years. So what was Dr. Ponsetti like to work with as a as a teacher and a colleague? Uh, he was a very, first, uh, he was a wonderful person. Uh, he was uh, uh, very, very, very bright. He, I don't think he's, you know, he was not a genius, but he was very close. He had a tremendous insight on things. I, one of the things that he was, uh, for me, uh, is that uh, he was able to write between lines all the time. Uh, he had a tremendous uh, background of knowledge in many areas, not just medicine or science, actually in, uh, in uh, music and art and history. And, and so, so it was uh, really uh, a very, very, for me, you know, it was a life-changing experience working with him because it was not just knowing a lot about medicine and science, but it was also 
you know, about life and and how to take care of patients and 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 how to care for patients, especially. He was a very caring person. He, you know, he listened to the patients and just trying to understand their concerns and trying to help them, uh, uh, you know, the best way he could in in different ways, not just the scientific part of medicine. So. Uh, he was an exceptional person that way, and, and that's the reason why he was so loved by everybody here in the department, uh, and most importantly by his patients. Hmm. Sounds like such an amazing person. Um, now, the story of the Ponsetti method is becoming well-known, but the medical community took a long time to accept the method as being the best treatment for clubfoot. What happened to change this situation? Uh, well, it's true. He's... Uh, his first patient treated here at the University of Iowa was in 1948. Uh, he published uh, a paper uh, describing his method in 1963. And, and I know, because there are reference and um, proceedings, that he presented the method at different meetings, uh, both here nationally and internationally. Unfortunately, the orthopedic community, for some reason, didn't understand what he was talking about. Uh, they they didn't understand the uh, and it's not very complex but uh, scientifically they they didn't believe on him I think that's what happened um, so for many many years uh, you know the method was practiced here at the University of Iowa and the students that came through residents and so forth but uh, not in other places um, in 1995 there was a paper that was published by Dr. Uh, Cooper and Dr. Ditch, the two, two doctors here at the University of Iowa, which was the 30-year uh, follow-up of the Dr. Ponsetti patients that he treated in the 50s, you know, the first decade of his life. Mm-hmm. And the results show that, you know, 80-plus per- percent of patients were doing just absolutely fine, which was in contrast with, you know, the results that uh, uh, you obtain if you will be doing surgery in babies uh, because it leads to uh, stiffness and and it leads actually in the paper that we have now to uh, to decrease range of motion and, and also uh, to pain in, in the adulthood. So that paper was very important. And just one year, late, one year later, um, he published his book on the treatment of clubfoot. And the combination of the two, uh, uh, it was taken by some doctors as something new, in the meaning of, well, there might be something in this method that we didn't realize. And some of the doctors that start coming here to the University of Iowa, start learning about the method, and start practicing the method in their hospitals and actually obtaining the same results that Dr. Ponsetti um, obtained uh, and we obtain today. In, in this, you know, uh, in this transition, families and, and start coming to University of Iowa in 1998, specifically, uh, the Dr. Ponsetti posted the method in the website of the University of Iowa, which was one of the first website hospitals at the time on the internet, which is kind of amazing, uh, thinking that way. And, and people start using the internet and start coming and and there were uh, two families specifically that uh, were very influential on on telling other parents on the internet what to do and, uh, you know, with respect to their cases in the meaning of, well, you know, you might better go to Iowa before you decide to go for surgery because surgery doesn't have very good results in the long term. So so it, it was a combination of some leading uh, doctors in the country 
and internationally, actually, and especially the parents with the use of the Internet that really push the orthopedic community to, to start adapting the method um, in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, a lot of people saying that, you know, it seems like this may have been one of the very first instances where uh, the, the Internet helped drive attention to uh, this medical procedures. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we actually published uh, two or three papers on the evaluation of the of the numbers here at the University of Iowa, and also the internet uh, an evaluation of the internet um, sites. and And it was absolutely clear that that was the most powerful influence for for the doctors to change the method. So the the one who learned, then they start doing and demonstrating that they could get the same results. But I think. You know, the parents making the decision to come here and then telling the doctors when they were saying, well, you need surgery, and then, you know, six, eight weeks later, they would come back and the kid would be corrected, and they will ask, how do you do this? And they say, well, I went to I1, be treated by Dr. Ponsetti, and, and some of the doctors wake up and say, wow, this is very interesting. I thought they need to do surgery, and, and here you are with the, you know, with the kid fits corrected. So some of them may start coming here just because of that. So so it was very, very important that the families, and, and there were two families specifically, uh, Jenny Trevelyan and Martin Eckbert and Alison Eckbert, that... that uh, they were on the internet, I think, 24 hours a day. I mean, there were more, but others, uh, but both of them in the first, you know, few years, and they will go to the meetings, orthopedic meetings, and, and present their case to the doctors and, and really, you know, advise the doctors, advocate for, you know, for their children and, and the children with club for, for, for the doctors to, you know, to, to learn the method and practice in their in their clinics. So so I will say that the uh, the families were instrumental. That's that's amazing, and that's absolutely wonderful. Um, and now let's go to the uh, let's talk about the success rate. The Ponsetti method of clubfoot treatment, uh, the success rate is just outstanding, with nearly ninety five percent treated successfully. But there can also be a small percentage of situations where the foot may relapse after three or four years, and that uh, happened to our son. Uh, Nathan, and it happens to a number of uh, kids here and there. Can you talk about the treatments that can be done if there is a relapse of the child's clubfoot? Uh, yeah, so one of the issues with clubfoot is clubfoot is not a foot problem. Mm-hmm. Clubfoot is a muscle development problem in the low, in the leg. Mm-hmm. So the, the muscles are a little bit smaller and, and they have a little bit less flexibility to adapt to the growth of the, of the bone and grow themselves. So they are always a little bit behind with the growth of the bone. So that's why... The, you know the feet, you know, turn in because the muscles, you know, tied up a little bit. So that's the that's the cause, and we don't know why this happened. We believe that has a genetic component. Uh, nothing, as we can tell, that happened during pregnancy in general, and um, and so this intrinsic abnormality uh, stays in that, you know, in the in the muscles for a period of time, and. And the best way, you know, after you do the correction with the uh, with the casting, which is actually, if it is done properly, it's pretty much 100%. Um, but, and this required then for using a brace at night that keeps the muscles stretched when the baby's asleep, um, because that way the muscles are, you know, nice and relaxed, and, and the brace is in a position that maintains all the muscles in a stretched position, so they can adjust to that growth. If, if, they, if there's... Um, if the brace is not used uh, or not used properly, no, you know, for the number of hours required, which is, you know, the night uh, bracing, um, then relapses will happen. And then 
you know, using the brace at night becomes a little bit an issue in some patients at the age of four or five-ish uh, because the kids are too big for the brace. They know how to unbuckle and so forth. Um, 95% of the time at that age, they do uh, don't relapse anymore. Uh, but of, occasionally, there's one that the muscles still are not quite right to be on their own without the little stretch of the muscles by the bracing, and then they do relapse. In that situation, uh, which have happened about 5% or so, I would say 5 7%, um, then what you need to do, the treatment is, well, go back to the principles of the Ponsetti method, which are very simple. You know, you correct the deformity, you know, whatever it is with casting, you stretch the muscles with the cast the same way that when the baby was born. Um, and then after that, you have to maintain that correction. And, and the problem is maintaining the correction means going back to the braces, which if it was a problem already, is going to be a problem usually after that, although some cases will accept the brace a, a little bit longer. Um, and if not, then uh, the, the uh, other possibility is to do what is called an, a tibialis anterior tendon transfer, which is taking a tendon from the uh, uh, inside of the foot that pulls the foot in quite a bit uh, to move it very simply to a little bit off the line in the midline to the lateral side, to the outside side. So that way when he pulls, he pulls the foot a little bit out and, and that helps a lot to maintain that correction that you obtain with the casting. And in the long term, um, the, the foot is more balanced and it has no tendency to turn in uh, so much. Um, our results, uh, the 50-year follow-up that we did uh, recently, and it was published last year, uh, which are the patients that Dr. Ponsetti treated 50 years ago, um, and they required this technique, uh, which is different from the surgery for club foot that, you know, it was done, you know, many years ago, and unfortunately still sometimes uh, today, uh, which is cutting tendons, ligaments, and so forth, which makes the foot stiff. The transfer doesn't touch any joints or touch any bones or nothing. It's just transferring a tendon with just one stitch, and that doesn't create any flexibility, stiffness issue. And and, and so the 50-year follow-up is that they do as well as, as kids with club foot that didn't require the operation because they didn't relapse. So it's a... Uh, in those uh, limited number of cases that require this surgery, the results uh, long-term are the same. Right, right. And we should, uh, I wanted to just mention that the, the tendon transfer you talk about is where they take the tendon that attaches to the big toe and they move it over, but it's closer to the top of the heel or top of the uh, ankle. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, so, well, it's not from the big toe. It's kind of at the base of the big toe, okay. which is where the right. tendon goes. Right. And, and you move it out a little bit, not too much, because if mm -hmm. you move it too much, then it's too much. Right. So you just move it out a little bit. So you have two functions here. One is that you, you take the tendon that is pulling in. So by not pulling in, you get a lot of correction already, because it's not going to pull in as much anymore. And if you put it just slightly out, just slightly then it helps to balance the foot in the out position. And, and so by not pulling in too much and being out a little bit, you know, then the foot gets balanced on the muscular, you know, dynamics. And, uh, and that way, you know, then when the kid walks, you know, it keeps the foot straight. And, and that is more physiologic. That is more natural. So then the tendons and ligaments are more balanced. And, and you know, five, six, seven-year-old kids do a lot of... Uh, uh, extraneous activities and running and everything. So if every time they do that, every cycle, 
you know, the foot is in the right position, it stretches the muscles in the more natural position, and, and that helps to maintain the foot corrected. Instead of when it turns in, if every time you do a step and it turns in, turns in, turns in so many thousands times a day, then eventually the foot actually gets worse. So that's the way it works. We've been told that when a child gets past a certain age, treating clubfoot can become a more difficult issue. How important is it to get the Ponsetti method for club feet early in a child's life? Uh, well, this is a very good question. And that was kind of the uh, general understanding that uh, the sooner you start the treatment in the child's life, uh, the better is the result. Uh, the truth of the matter is that... Uh, uh, that was with early experience. And, you know, here in the United States, uh, you know, the kids born and the pediatrician, the gynecologist say, well, this is not right. You have to go to an orthopedic surgeon. And, and then, you know, the next day or two or even the same day, the orthopedic surgeon comes to the room and examines the patient and, and say, yep, this is club food and, and then treatment can be started. Um, and, and so, you know, that was that kind of the... Uh, general understanding and, you know, people would recommend to start the patient, you know, the treatment right away. The truth of the matter is that as the Ponsetti method has been expanding and been used in many, many other countries, uh, especially developing countries, uh, this, this experience have actually changed completely. And the reason for it is because in, in those countries, uh, patients many times, unfortunately, don't get treatment, so the kids are you know, walking age or even adults with clubfoot. And and what it was amazing over the last, I will say, 10 years or so, uh, is that people start applying the method in kids that are older. And I'm talking about 10 years old, 17 years old, and actually up to a 21 years old person, and getting correction with the Ponsetti method. So, uh, with this in mind, uh, now we know that neglected club food or not treated club food uh, in kids that are, you know, walking around can be also treated successfully with the method the same that if you are a baby three days old. So there's no rush for <laughs> in that way to, to start the treatment because all the cases actually can be corrected pretty much at any age. Wow. Um, what is the... You know, in general, the, the, you know, the better, you know, it's a little bit easier to start the treatment when the babies are a little baby and also the dynamics in the family. I think the best time to start the treatment is, you know, probably one or two or even three weeks after, after the baby is born because, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that happen at home and, and a mom and the kid and dad, they have to adjust to a new situation if it's the first case, you know, the first child which everything is new, and, or if it is the fifth child, because then you have another four at home and things have to be adjusted. So, so it requires a period of adaptation for the family. And I think introducing, you know, the going back and forth to the clinic every week or so, every five to seven days, do the casting and everything and the traveling and, um, and then the issues with, you know, with work and having to ask permission for work and so forth. It, it's a little bit of an issue, so the logistics of that. So... I, I usually recommend, and I think, is to do it whenever the family is ready to start. Um, and, and because it makes no difference the age, really. Then, then, then in general, you know, most, my, most of the families that I treat, and I think many other people, uh, come around 10 days or so, two weeks maybe, mm -hmm. in, the first, in, the first second, in the second week. And, you know, and then the treatment is... You know, it's fine. But if the kid is three months old because has some problems or something and has to be on the uh, 
uh, NICU, ICU, or you know, or on the hospital for some reason, or uh, it makes no difference anyway. So, uh, so treatment can be done anytime, um, and but usually most families, you know, start in the second or third week of after delivery after the kid is born. Ah, well, that's amazing. That's, yeah, that's a lot different than what we were told originally. But, you know, that's nice to see that uh, information gets updated and uh, changed as uh, progress occurs. Yes, and, and this all comes from, you know, from the most unexpected place, which, you know, is Brazil, Mexico, and Nigeria, Philippines, these countries that unfortunately they have a lot of kids with, you know, with uh, kids that have not been treated for one reason or another, and and they get actually excellent result the same that you know you can get in you know in a little baby so uh this is this is really great and and it's been a huge change in that way and in on clubfoot yeah that's great now there are many doctors who claim to be using the Ponsetti method for treating clubfoot but they may not have the full certification so what is the process that a doctor has to go through in order to become fully certified with the Ponsetti method um yeah i you know the uh uh there's an issue which is certification. There's not just a certification proper. You know, there's no, you know, a body uh, organization that uh, will certify doctors. I mean, orthopedic. When you're an orthopedic surgeon, you're an orthopedic surgeon. Right. And and then you practice whatever you know your practice is. Uh, but Dr. Ponsetti, when he started, um, you know, teaching uh, back in. 1998-99, the first course that we did here at the University of Iowa was in 99. Um, then then what, what happened is that as doctors were coming here and, and get training and then start their own practices and, and then get very good results, Dr. Ponsetti uh, on the internet, on the hospital website, will post their names uh, to you know, for the parents to be aware that the doctors have been going through this uh, training process here at the University of Iowa. And, and so that is how, you know, many doctors came and, um, and, and they were included into this list of doctors that Dr. Ponsetti knew that were doing a good job on, on the Ponsetti method. And, and so there's not a real process of certification. It's, it's mostly, uh, you know, names that are associated with a good practice of the method, essentially. That is what um, what the list is that still is on the internet, on the website. Um, uh, usually what happened uh, then, and then doctors from different countries came and, and, and they got also included in the list. And then, the, you know, the next generation, you know, the doctors that were trained here and and train in some other places, uh, although not too many other places, uh, truly, uh, because we did the course every year until Dr. Ponsetti passed away in 2009. Um, but then these doctors have been training other doctors in uh, in different countries, including the United States. And, and some of those doctors actually um, submit, uh, you know, their cases um, to be included on the list of the hospital. And, and so the process is usually uh, training with somebody that already has been trained here, and and then go through the process of the training, and then and then submitting their cases, um, uh, you know, to to the here to the uh, to Ponsetti International, which is the association that uh, follows the legacy of Dr. Ponsetti, and and if the results are you know comparable to the Iowa results, then then they are included into this list. 
Okay, so um, so how can parents find that list? Then it's on the Ponseti International website. Yes, it's www.ponseti.info, and in that uh, in that website, there's uh, uh, information for parents uh, how to find a doctor in their uh, state or I mean city, state or country. Okay. Now it's some doctors uh, or some parents rather say that uh, the doctors may say that even though they are certified in the Ponseti method, the online uh, website for Ponseti International doesn't often get updated as far as the list goes and their name may not be on the list. Now, can that happen or is that? Uh... Uh, yeah, it can happen. I, I know that there are some doctors and are doing a good job, uh, but they decide not to be included in the list if they don't submit their name. Uh, so it's up to the doctors to to submit the name. I mean, if if we know and all uh, the people that are in the list know of doctors that are doing a good job in general, they will tell them, hey, why don't you you know why don't you submit your application and to be part of the uh, of this group? And, um, um, and but sometimes they decide not to do so, and so that's why you know probably not all the doctors that are doing a good job are in the list. Uh, however, I would say most of the doctors that do a good job are on the list. Um, and one of the issues that we are facing today is that um, uh, there are many doctors that say that are doing Ponseti, uh, but they really are not following the principles of the Ponseti method. And, and, and as a result, um, we are still seeing, and in my clinic, unfortunately, still I've seen about 50% of my patients here in Iowa, which is not a state that has a lot of population, 50% uh, of my patients are coming from other states for treatment because they, um, they, the doctors fail on, on getting good, good corrections or when the patients have relapses, they uh, decided to go for the old traditional surgeries, which we know in the long term, you know, leads to uh, to stiffness and pain and arthritis and a quality of life that is not comparable at all with the quality of life that the Ponseti method provides uh, because of better flexibility and, and better position of the foot and balance and so forth. So, so I, the, the issue is that, you know, many, many doctors actually are saying, you know, we practice Ponseti, but they really don't do a very good job. And that's, I, to me, is the main challenge that we have today in, in, in our country, and, and we just presented a couple of weeks ago at the uh, European and American, North America Pediatric Orthopedic Society combined meeting in Barcelona, the data of the last 15 years of the treatment of clubfoot in this country based on, on the data, you know, databases of the uh, government, actually, um, uh, and with all payers and all insurance companies that uh, do assist. And, and unfortunately, although the surgeries for clubfoot in the first year of life has decreased 90%, which is, you know, the effect of the Ponseti method in, you know, in children, you know, newborns and so forth, after the first year of life, the number of surgeries have practically no change whatsoever in the last 15 years. So doctors are doing a relatively okay job on keeping, you know, on correcting the foot initially in babies, but... Uh, they don't follow the protocols for uh, bracing enough, or they don't get full corrections, and then they have problem with the bracing, which leads to relapses in, you know, second year of life and after that. And when that happens, then they actually rely in in surgery again. And um, and, and another paper that uh, was published last year uh, that we asked um, 
pediatric orthopedic surgeons uh, society members uh, to to it was a paper on on how do they treat relapses specifically, which is the main problem today. And almost 50% of them will be doing surgeries that are not indicated on the Ponsetti method. So, so that is the main challenge. Uh, the doctors that are on the list are doing, in general, I will say, very good job. Um, but many doctors that say that they are doing Ponsetti, they are not doing the real Ponsetti. So this is, uh, this is a challenge for both us and, and the parents on knowing who does or not doesn't do a good job and and um, and, and I we are trying to work uh, in a way that uh, that that becomes a little easier for the parents but uh, but it's, it's a difficult situation right now in in our country right so so the best bet is if possible at all stick with the doctors who are on the list online yes that's that's the best bet and unfortunately not every state actually has doctors. Uh, but if in you're in the state or the families, wherever you are, uh, and there's a doctor in that state, it's worth to, uh, the travel, you know, two or three hours to go to that doctor because the chances of having a good treatment is much higher, I will say. So another part of your career is working as the president and CEO of the Ponsetti International Association. Can you tell us about that organization and the work it does? Uh, yes, the um, uh, Ponsetti International, uh, in short, uh, was established here at the University of Iowa in uh, September uh, 27, 2006. And the reason for it is because uh, the university uh, and the department here at the hospital, the, you know, realized that the work of Dr. Ponsetti should be maintained uh, at that time. Uh, you know, there were some doctors that were trained, but the need, the need in in the world is for having four or five thousand doctors trained in the Ponsetti method to to be able to treat all the patients that are born every year uh, in the world. So um, at that time there were maybe two or three hundred doctors that had been trained. So there was still a lot of doctors that needed to be trained um, in order to provide the best care for Clubfoot, which is the Ponsetti method. So uh, because of that. Uh, the uh, university um, uh, established. Uh, under the border regions uh, and the government of the state of Iowa, uh, Ponsetti International Association. So the the main goals of Ponsetti International are one, uh, training and helping training doctors in every country of the world, and and second, uh, the training is not just the clinical training on how to know how to do the Ponsetti method, uh, but also how to use the Ponsetti method as a healthcare intervention. Um, so it changes the treatment of clubfoot in the whole country. Uh, and this is most important in developing countries. As uh, we discussed before, you know, in, you are in the United States, Europe, Japan, Australia, and so forth, Canada, and uh, then your kid is going to be born in a hospital, is going to be recognized right away by the pediatrician and so forth, and is going to be referred to orthopedics right away. But if you are in a developing country, you know, the kid might be born in the middle of nowhere and by a midwife or, you know, a birth uh, attendant or something, and the kid might not be evaluated and, and it stays like that forever. So um, 80% of the children with clubfoot are born in developing countries just because kids are more, are, there are more kids born in developing countries than uh, in developed countries, and there's more population in developing countries. So 80% of the children might not have access to care. So when we train doctors, we also help them and train them on how to establish and develop 
a system in within the country so there's enough clinics, Glafoot clinics, that patients will have access to them uh, through the country. And, and so we, de- we help with them to develop uh, integrating the Ponseti method in, in within the healthcare system. Um, and this is extremely important because the Ponseti method is, you know, simple to understand. Um, and, and it doesn't require a lot of things. It requires the hands of the doctor and the knowledge of how to do it. It requires cotton and plaster cast and then a brace for the night. So it's not very complex. It doesn't require MRI, CT scans, and complex surgeries, and ORs, and so forth. And, and so it's very well suited, actually, for developing countries. And, and so once you teach the doctors how to do it, you can also help them to uh, advocate for the Ponseti method so it's integrated into the healthcare system. So the cost of the uh, plaster and the cotton and the braces is included into the system. So the patients that uh, uh, have to use the public system can, you know, can be treated the same that, you know, the rich people can be treated because they go to private practice and so forth. So, so Ponseti International uh, you know, dedicated to uh, training and program development to integrate the Ponseti method uh, into the healthcare system of uh, the countries that we are working on right now, which is, I think, like a hundred and something, uh, uh, and getting more and more. So our goal is to get, you know, every country uh, uh, training doctors and the method be integrated into the healthcare systems. That's wonderful. Now there is a there is a message board online for a lot of parents uh, uh, to discuss uh, club feet and all that, and there's a number of Facebook pages too and social media. How important is that for people who are looking? And do you have links on the Ponsetti International site for those uh, 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 social media groups? Uh, I don't. We have some links to the orthopedic societies and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe we have links to the Pines groups. Um, um, I, what I will say is that, you know, I think that the important thing is that, uh, and, and one of the reasons why is because some of these parent groups are, um, you know, the, the discussions are more personal, mm-hmm. um, you know, between parents saying, you know, their experiences and so forth. Uh, but I will suggest that all those groups will put a link of the Ponsetti International. So that way, the parents that will come to those to those groups uh, will have the reference of what is the Ponsetti method because in Ponsetti International website, um, there's, uh, you know, there's an explanation about what the method is and how it works and, you know, the most frequent asked questions kind of. Mm-hmm. And, and so parents can actually get the word from the place where the word was generated, which is the University of Iowa and, 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 and then Ponsetti International as, as the association to uh, continue the work of Dr. Ponsetti. And, and so that way there's the, you know, I would say the official word of what the Ponsetti method is. And, and I say this because I know that, you know, sometimes, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, discussions in the groups and, and, and sometimes, unfortunately, the, the recommendations are a little bit off of what the Ponsetti method is and, and the recommendations by, you know, the University of Iowa, you know, Ponsetti International. So I, I, I will say that it's important that these websites will refer to Ponsetti International for, you know, the, uh, you know, what is the, uh, the recommendations for, you know, for the, uh, for what is the Ponsetti method. Because uh, unfortunately, you know, today in 2017, um, there's a lot of, uh, 
doctors recommending things that are not the Ponseri method, for instance, you know, using the brace only for one or two years, uh, using uh, orthopedic shoes, um, uh, doing the tenotomy, you know, before it needs to be done, uh, recommending the tibial tendon transfer that we discussed before, you know, quite early, like one or two years of age instead of, you know, four or five, um, and so forth. So that I, I think that is important for the families to know, and, and I think it will be very important that the groups will have the reference of Concert International. Right, right. So, yeah, and of course, the Internet, unfortunately, there can be a lot of misinformation out there, too. So it's yes. better to just to go to Ponsetti International to get the, the correct information. Yes, exactly. Okay. Now, if parents decide that they want to bring their children to the Ponsetti Clinic at the University of Iowa Children's Hospital, what are some of the important things that they should uh, do to make sure that they get uh, their appointment and, uh, you know, from a traveling aspect and that sort of thing and uh, where to stay? Uh, yes, uh, we welcome anybody that would like to come here to the University of Iowa. Um, and uh, as I said, we, you know, about 50% of our patients are out of the state. Um, so, the, um, uh, so anybody uh, from anywhere can come. Uh, we, we have uh, financial aid for those cases in which insurance companies uh, might not cover uh, the, uh, the cost of the treatment because they are out of state or out of network and so forth. And, and we have, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, a person dedicated to help the families on, on, on help them how, to, how to, to look at the finances and how much help do they need and so forth. Um, if the patients are on Medicaid, the hospital takes any Medicaid patients. So uh, for, for those kind of situations, there's, there's no problem. Um, and with insurance company, we work with insurance and, and with the parents to get the best financial uh, situation for them. So having to come to here, it doesn't become a, a financial burden for the families. Um, in order to get here, they can just contact our, our uh, scheduling of our, or my assistant uh, here at the University of Iowa. And, uh, and then, you know, we will make the appointments based on their availability. Uh, we have clinics for club food um, Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. So, you know, um, we, you know, we can see the patients pretty much any time. Um, with respect to where to stay, depending on how far the families are, uh, some families actually drive, and it's not uncommon that they will do four or five hours, uh, which makes a long day, but, but is I think, a long-term investment. So the kids are doing very well, you know, and they get corrected with an average of five casts, so uh, for most parts. So, so it's uh, – um, and other families, you know, that live far away – uh, that becomes a difficult issue. Um, we work and we provide information and letters and so forth for insurance and, and as I said, and also there's uh, three or four organizations for flights. Uh, Miracle Flights, Angel Flights, and, and others uh, will help families to be brought here to the University of Iowa. And, and we have a number of families that use those services that are uh, free of charge. Um, it's a humanitarian uh, organizations, and um, and so they fly with them. Uh, sometimes they can do it in the same day. Sometimes it takes a couple of days. So they come the day before, then they do have the clinic, and then they go the next day. Um, in those cases, and the cases in which they decided to come and stay here for the duration of the treatment, which is usually three, three and a half weeks or so, um, um, most families will stay at the Ronald McDonald House here, which is by the hospital. That is a great um, 
great facility, really friendly. Um, it's not absolutely free of charge, but it's really inexpensive. And actually, if the patient is in Medicaid or the insurance company doesn't cover that cost and so forth, there's uh, free. So, um, um, and we usually, what we do is we can provide that information also uh, when the patients are making the appointment. So, so we try to facilitate as much as we can for patients to come when they decide to come here to the University of Iowa. And anybody's uh, welcome to come if they if they um, if they want to do so. Right. And I remember you telling me uh, during football season, you kind of have to be careful about the football games because it's hard to get in uh, uh, hotel rooms during yes, the football uh, season. Yeah, you know, football season here is, uh, you know, through the through the fall and, and there's usually six or eight games on Saturday. And so uh, if, if you come... Uh, for that, I mean, the clinics are Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so mm-hmm. I think you can get, you know, away from that. But right. occasionally, mm-hmm. that could happen, and and then it, it's very hard to find hotels or uh, here in Iowa City, and then you have to go to the towns around, which are about, you know, Cedar Rapids and North Liberty and so forth, which is ten miles. I mean, it's not far away, but but uh, then you would need, uh, you know, a car, a rental car or something. You are coming from far away. Um, but but that only happened, you know, eight times a year. So sure. for yeah. the most part, it's not a problem. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It's just one of those things about being in a university town. Yes, exactly. Which is which is very nice. You know, it's very exciting. You mm-hmm. know, the whole guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Now, right now, there there are some families obviously listening who are just finding out, and sometimes through ultrasounds or other means, that their infant child is going to have one or both feet eclect- affected with clubfoot. What do you say to those parents who are uh, worried about uh, what's going on and what they should expect and uh, how they can uh, find help? Uh, well, I, I I will say that you know, uh, so f- by, both both feet affected are fifty percent of the cases, um, and then right or left are about fifty fifty. So that is, and the statistics are the same pretty much in every country. So it's a very it's a very common denominator for for everything. Um, the uh, you know in United States most families might find that out by ultrasound although sometimes it's difficult because the position of the baby you know in the wound is you know with the feet kind of turning and everything because of especially in the last you know three months of uh, pregnancy when the kid is kind of packed um, and so sometimes just yes, the normal position looked like like a club food now club food is uh, not produced is not the cost for club food is not the you know, to be very tight on the wound uh, is for an abnormality of muscle development that we described before. So uh, sometimes and many times they all, the, uh, the gynecologists are able to, 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 to look at for the foot and, the, and, and diagnose the foot around 20, 24, 30 weeks of pregnancy. So, uh, so that is the first time the family. Now, not all the time that will be a club foot. It might be also a positional deformity that is very flexible and doesn't require any treatment. But in general, uh, is 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 accurate. And uh, and then when the baby is born, then you know deformity is very evident. And uh, and then most pediatricians will know, or if they are in a hospital, then they will have a, a pediatric orthopedic surgeon, you know, in the same facility or close by, and the patient will be referred to them as we discussed before. And, and I will say that there's no rush to start. I think it's better to take a few days and get, you know, stable at home. And uh, so that way uh, 
you know, things is a little bit better uh, in general. My thanks again to Dr. Jose McQuande for agreeing to do the interview. You can find links to the University of Iowa Ponseti Clinic, Dr. McQuande's profile, and the Ponseti International Association on the page for this episode at specialparentsconfidential.com. A reminder that if you like this episode of Special Parents Confidential or any episode we've done, please be sure to share it on all your favorite social media platforms. We have buttons on our website that make it easy to share the podcast anywhere. And that's it for this episode of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. Thanks for listening.